0: Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up.
1: Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the Golden Age to the Modern Age. Welcome back to the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. This is episode nine. Can you believe that, Jason? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. (laughs) Ha ha (laughs) ha, nine. Today, we are here to talk all about comic books, the comic book world, and everything else. Jason, I've got nothing else left to say. Are you ready to jump right in? Let's get right to it. All right, here we go.
2: And the masters of the universe, I am Adam. Prince of Eternia, and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. Hey there, Drawn and Panel podcast listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack, where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts, or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grownup.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for this week's Comic Headlines. Does that oh, sound
1: professional? Now yeah. we're doing comic headlines. They're not even we, news anymore. I like that. Nice. Yeah, let's, let's keep everybody <laughs> on their toes. I see that. All right. So what's up in our comic headlines this week?
0: Well, a lot of fans can rest easy now with this Fox-Disney movie merger that's you know been going on for the past few months or maybe even a year now. Right. Fans can rest easy that Deadpool... Even under Disney, will still keep its R rating. I know oh, a lot yay. of people. Were, a lot of people were <laughs> worried that that Deadpool would go into PG thirteen mode, but. It was uh, a shareholders meeting this week. The CEO of Disney said that Deadpool will remain R and that they have R-rated movies are part of the plan.
1: So, Well, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, good. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a huge Deadpool fan. That's going to be awesome. I love to hear that. What else have we got going on in the news? Well, I know you're a fan of Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love Walking Dead.
0: There's some rumors right now that there's going to be another spinoff series focusing on Maggie. Oh, like a TV series. Like a TV series. I've also oh. heard that there's going to be some movies as well with Rick. I uh, okay. haven't heard a lot about that. but Like I know theatrical that there's some...
1: release movies or movies of the week on TV? That I don't know. It sounds like it may okay. be theatrical. Hmm. But That'd be surprising right... considering he just you know left the show recently and everything. He just but...
0: left the show. Yeah, I, I don't keep up with the show. I know you're a big fan. How do you feel about a Maggie show?
1: I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, she's a strong character in the books, but she's even the character has even been brought to life even more with the actress playing her. Mm-hmm. I I think that you know it makes a lot of sense. Although I do worry about them jumping the shark, so to speak, and maybe diluting the pool a little too much. They kind of did that with Fear the Walking Dead at first. That was not the best, but it got a little bit better as it went along. Okay, um, I'm hoping that. They'll do it justice considering it's such a well established character. But at the same time, you don't want to spread yourself too thin and just end up, you know, having, you know, 27 flavors of the same show out there. And then none of the shows are going to garner the ratings that they should because there's too many different choices and too many different places for people to look. And they're just going to say, well, forget it. I'm not going to watch anymore.
0: Right, like when we used to have 17 different Law and Orders or 15 different yeah,
1: CSIs. Exactly, like, you know, CSI Hawaii, CSI your attic. I'm like, where are they at <laughs> this week, you know? It's ridiculous. Well, I found some stuff out here recently. It turns out that Rocket Raccoon, the character in the two Guardians of the Galaxies movies, also in the last Avengers film, mm-hmm. there was actually a real raccoon that was used to model the CGI character off of. And unfortunately that raccoon just recently passed away. Oh, that's too bad. I, I saw the
0: article. His name was um, his or her name was Oreo, which is, a- yeah.
1: Right. And it, 10 years old. So obviously I, I don't know if that's a long life or not, but it seems like it was a long life. It was probably a good life considering, you know, it was a Hollywood model. <laughs> I'm hoping right. that they took care of the raccoon, you know, it wasn't abused or anything, but, You know, it's a little sad. I'm assuming that they are still going to be able to use the same computer generated models because you know it's they've got them once they have them once they don't need to keep getting new models. But I just found that a little sad that you know somebody from a beloved franchise passed away, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that is too bad, and I I had no idea that they used an actual raccoon to for the model, but it makes sense. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I had
1: no clue either. I mean, I would have thought that they somebody was just hand drawing that out based on some pictures or something like that. But to have a real life model that they used for that, I guess that's why the raccoon looked so good in those films, right? Yeah, he does. I wonder if we'll
0: get a uh, you know um in memory of Oreo at the end of the new uh, Avengers you know, we film. Should
1: right? Like an immorium during the Academy Awards this year, possibly. Oh, yeah, you. that's right. We should get something like that. Well, somebody needs to start a writing campaign to the Academy Awards and get that done.
0: That's right. That maybe could be our first campaign withdrawn and paneled. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anything else or are we pretty much all newsed out this week? I've got one more piece of news. George, have you ever read Why the Last Man or ever heard of it?
1: I have heard of it, but I have Mm -hmm. not read
0: it. Okay, it's an interesting series about the last man on Earth on a planet full of women. Mm -hmm. Well, FX is going to be releasing a series in probably in a year or so. And the first photo has dropped uh, showing the character. He's wearing a gas mask and he has a cage with his pet circus monkey in it. Oh, (laughs) Um, it's 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 right out of a panel of the comic series. Uh, so Makes sense. pretty interesting. It looks faithful so far. We'll see how it goes. This is very early stages, but it was a good series.
1: Yeah, I know it's garnered a lot of mass appeal and people really like it. It's probably won tons of awards and everything. I personally am looking forward to it. I was a big fan. There was a comedy show. I believe it's still on called The Last Man on Earth, which oh, takes yes. a humorous look at a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love when they take series like this or Umbrella Academy, which is coming up soon on Netflix. Right. I like it when they take those kinds of series and then they faithfully recreate them in this new television or movie format. You know, we've had some duds out there, but at least some of these, you know, Why the Last Man, Umbrella Academy, things like that, I'm glad to see that they're being made now. Yeah, me too.
2: Come on, Battle Cat, before that opening gets too wide to leap.
0: The Via VHS podcast is changing lives. Here's some testimonials. Bill from Tallahassee, Florida says, I was able to quit my job and get a Ferrari, just like Magnum P.I. Sue from San Diego, California says, Wow, it really helped with my crippling depression. Thanks, Via VHS. And Tom from Charlotte, North Carolina says, It cured my genital warts. Wow. Listen to the Via VHS podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google
1: Play. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Drawn and Paneled Roundtable segment. As you know, every single week, we love to talk about two or three books in particular. And this week is no exception. We also have our special guest. Our special guest this week is Joe Schmalky. He is the creator of books such as Infernal Pact and uh, Cherry Blackbird, which we're going to talk about this week, as well as a new book from Scout Comics. Uh, What was that? The Electric Black, if I remember right. That's correct. Cool. This is going to be a lot of fun today. We're glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. So, Joe, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Cherry Blackbird? Tell us the story, how you came up with it, what was your inspiration, everything.
3: I started Cherry Blackbird a couple years ago. Uh, Initially, it was titled The Horror of Babylon. And um, I had to change the title because stores wouldn't pick it up with that title.
0: (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense.
3: I I thought it had more uh, cojones with that title, but. After talking with my wife, she convinced me that, like, since it's an exploitation-type story anyway, that I should come up with something that's closer to, like, coffee or, or sugar. Well, right, okay. Those yeah. so, I love
1: the artwork, too. It definitely draws back that whole Jackie Brown kind mm-hmm. of vibe.
3: Yeah, and I mean, that's that's what um, that's what it is. So the, the predecessor to the book was The Infernal Pact, and mm-hmm. that one's uh, in the same – Universe, But the two stories you can read one without having to read the other, they both take place in like this grindhouse exploitation, dark humor universe, lots of uh, devilry and salty language and over the top characters (laughs) and extreme
1: violence. And um, this is not like a My Little Pony book for the kids.
3: Early on, I I did a book back in 2012 called The Calamitous Black Devils, and it was – I, I marketed it as a horror sci-fi book, but a lot of the horror fans were like, "You didn't go far enough with it." So I was okay. like, "Oh, I didn't go <laughs> far enough." So now I've gone too far,
1: and now I'm <laughs> reeling it back. <laughs> You're swinging um, the pendulum back and forth till you find the middle.
3: Yeah, and and the Electric Black, the book that comes out from Scout in April, is definitely the one that's in the middle. It's uh it's definitely a horror comic, but uh it's not as extreme as Cherry Blackbird. And, Tim Vigil, who uh, did Faust, Love of the Damned, he also did a pinup in the back of the book.
1: The story really kind of drew me in. I want to just let everybody know just a brief synopsis. Basically, Cherry Blackbird, she's this singer, songwriter, pop culture icon, young lady who has sold her soul to the devil in order to achieve fame and fortune. And the devil comes knocking. You've got one year before I'm going to take your soul. But if you'll do this task for me within this year, then I'll allow you to... Uh, keep your soul and live on and go on with everything. You just have to track down these seven different people who have escaped from hell and send them all back to hell. That's
3: that's pretty <laughs> much the whole story. But it's also got it's got some superheroics, and because every time she kills one of these uh,
0: wicked souls mm, that escape from right. hell,
3: she gains like new powers and stuff like that that leads her all the way down to her final showdown.
0: I thought that was pretty cool. She leveled up every time she defeated a villain yeah Yeah.
1: that was a nice little twist i enjoyed Mm -hmm. that and i liked to not just that she leveled up but how she leveled up and they weren't just your typical run of the mill oh you can fly now you can but the way that you showed off the abilities that she gained was different from your typical superhero story
0: right
3: yeah that that just got published uh that's self-published and i put that that came out at in october of last year so it's it's fairly new not a lot of people have heard about it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's made its way around the New England area more than anywhere else.
0: Oh, okay. How long did it take you to work on the book, Joe?
3: I did a Kickstarter for it back Mm -hmm. in, um, I think it was 2016 in October of 2016, it got funded for $11,000 and I didn't finish it till August, 2018. So it took some time. And a lot Mm -hmm. of that has to do with, I'm, I'm a, we have young children. Right, And uh, my youngest was not in school. So I'm like, not only was I working full time as an engineer and doing comic books, but I was also her primary care person. I can't really work on this book in front of my kids.
2: <laughs> no, so. no, no, definitely not.
3: <laughs> so it has to be like on the side. It, things have changed now with with uh, the current books that I'm working on. They're like they're more PG so I can I can work on them at home. But with this one, I had, to, I had to do it when they were asleep or when I had downtime in the house to myself kind of thing, or I could get into my studio. But all of that sort of ramped up uh, in the middle of last year because I'm now a full-time artist and writer. So um, I was able to pretty much do 75% of the book in about three to four months.
0: Okay,
1: cool. Wow. Yeah, I know yeah. that your your art thing is definitely taking off. Matter of fact, you've recently done a Print for Gen X Grown Up that we're going to be selling at conventions here in the local southeastern Florida Georgia area so whenever you see Gen X Grown Up at a convention you're definitely going to be able to find Joe's artwork at our table. Now that all being said we've got a couple other books to talk about in the round table today. Jason why don't you hit us up with your submission
0: the Last episode both of us had a book from Dark Horse on our poll list called Word or Wired. I don't think we ever came to an Word, agreement. Word, Wired,
1: Weird yeah. Weird. <laughs> it's got a lot of different possibilities.
0: Right so I picked it up and read the book. It's about a guy that seems to be immortal that gets tasked by the government to tackle weird cases uh, such as, you know, kind of weird superhuman cases. This book or this issue, kind of a, you know, super soldier or Hulk type character that kind of went on a rampage and killed a lot of people. He's tasked with, you know, taking this creature down and. Um, a lot of introspective uh, parts on the main character's part. He seems to be kind of tired of his life. Uh, we right, get some flashbacks. Yeah. There's not a whole lot we know about him yet. Um, I believe this is going to be a mini series, so maybe we'll see
1: more about his story. This is a really fun book. I enjoyed the character because he is a... An immortal for hire, so to speak. Right. uh, Like a government hitman. But he is so like, I don't care what the government wants me to do kind of Mm -hmm. attitude. He's just like, I'm going to do this. I don't care. What are you guys going to do? Kill me? Not going to happen. I'm immortal. (laughs) You know, he does all this crazy stuff. He doesn't mind the situations. He knows he does experience pain, which I thought was a nice little twist on the whole immortal thing. But he just seems to dismiss it. It's like, eh, it's fleeting. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to die. You know, I, I'd be curious to know what Joe's thoughts were on the book.
3: Listen, everybody uses SketchUp or photographic reference and stuff like that, but it looked like it was just photocopied and put into the background and like, I can't get past stuff like that. It seems really lazy.
1: Really? Okay. Wow. That's
3: interesting. Uh, there, the action in it seemed really cool. The way that the characters are drawn is really nice. The, the mm-hmm. artwork was nice. But um, yeah, he was like a ripoff of Lobo meets Wolverine. And like he would shoot people with a gun and their heads would just snap off their bodies.
1: Mm. Oh, wow. And something
3: similar <laughs> like that happened in this issue. So I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. I mean, I liked that back then.
1: I like too when when the injuries would happen, how they would go into the x-ray mode a little bit like he gets hit in the wrist and his wrist is snapped in an x-ray frame. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a cute little reference to the, the pain colors in it feeling. were amazing,
3: too. Him. right yes. Weren't yeah, they? The, it reminded me of like some like uh miami vice type stuff you, you know the color palette. sure
1: <laughs> right yeah and the like whole that. pastel thing from the mid 80s yeah
3: the look of it is very cool i wish uh they put a little bit more time into their backgrounds but that's that was my only complaint really
1: well hopefully they will i mean it's you know it's supposed to be an ongoing series i don't know if it's going to make it through four issues six issues whatever the miniseries going to be but yeah the one thing that i do like is that at least in these independent books they are still taking risks with the storylines it's not one of the big two where it has to be superhero spandex and tights kind of stuff it you can tell the story of a broken character and i really enjoy that that's something that's in my mind still unique to the independent comic book scene
3: the independent comic book scene right now is is far superior to any of the larger companies putting out books at the moment. Like Marvel and DC, their, their properties are just – I mean, yeah, I want to work for them just as much as anybody else in my situation does. But their properties are really lackluster lately.
1: Yeah, well mm-hmm. – You want to talk about a book that's taken a chance? Let's talk about The Freeze. This is the book that I found (laughs) this time. It doesn't start off the way that I, well, it starts off the way that I expect, but it quickly goes in in a whole different direction. The book, essentially, there's this guy, he's a tech nerd. He's working at his office. All of a sudden, you know, he sticks a plug into an electrical outlet and he gets zapped a little bit, which we've all had that happen once in a while. And when he pops up, everybody around him is completely frozen. Like nobody's moving. They're just frozen in place and time. He's able to move around and everything. A la, what was that? Heroes, where the little Japanese guy, he could freeze people and stuff. And then he could move around. It looked like he was, you know, the flash or time transport, all that kind of stuff. But he does find that he has the ability to, quote, wake people up, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. He can touch them and then they're awake.
3: This book had great artwork. I Mm -hmm, I really mm -hmm. like that. I like some of the little detailed inset panels, like when he is plugging in the uh, the cord for the first time and stuff like that. Interesting stuff.
1: Well, and I like their premise too. They take it and they decide, well, like what might be some of our, initial reactions. Well, let me start, you know, waking people up. Let me start getting all these people. No, they decide to go the different track. You know what? Let's not wake everybody up. Let's just wake up the people we need to get something done and slowly build the society as we see it should be. Right. So, oh, we need a farmer. Let's wake up a farmer. Oh, we need somebody to keep the cell phones going. Let's wake up one of those guys. And they slowly throughout the first few issues here, they're building up their society. But I like that they started off with they're telling this story in retrospect because they're they're trying to rescue this one girl Mm -hmm. and then they're off running and she's asking them what's going on. So they're having to tell her the history of how things came to be. And that seems to start each issue so far.
0: Right. Yeah. It it starts out with this big kind of action heist. And then it goes into how we got there. And the story is very interesting. This this was not on my radar until you brought it to me, George. Uh, it's a very very good good story and just interesting how they build. Uh, the stakes. It starts real personal with reviving people, and that people are frozen. Then you see toward the end of the first book all the wreckage and chaos that ensued with everybody being frozen, and then it just goes on from there.
1: Yeah, I like how they slowly revealed things too. As the first guy, he's you know driving around, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he sees you know like a plane down. He's like, "Oh, that's right. There were people flying when this thing happened." Right. And- How many planes are now, you know, killed all these people that were in them and everything? So I really like that. There is a nice little twist toward the last issue that I've recently read, which is nice. I like how it's not going to be all, you know, happy and roses. Mm -hmm. It's there's some things going on that, you know, cause them to wonder if their idea of waking people up slowly was a good one or not. Right. Because now they're starting to realize maybe they woke up the wrong people. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's kind of like the opposite of a zombie apocalypse story, really, right? Because in a zombie apocalypse story, you're trying to find the few surviving humans that are around. In this one, everybody's around. You just have to decide who's surviving and who's not. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's a very cool concept.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm hoping that this one stays out there for a while. I don't want this one to go away. I think this is going to be one of my new uh, look forward tos every month. Oh, so yeah. I'm hoping is that this, this one dark hangs horse
0: up. or image. I think this one's Image. It's Image and Top Cow uh, are the, right. the two. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah.
3: The Silvestri uh, imprint. The look of it, like I said, is just the artwork in it is fantastic. So definitely worth well, checking out. And
1: I, I'm glad that you say that because I know you being an artist and everything, that carries a lot more weight. So I can look at something and think, oh, that's pretty. That's cool. I like how they did that. But you know the ins and outs of how that stuff gets worked on and created and everything. So hearing that you think it's good is high praise, in my opinion.
3: The person who's drawing it definitely knows what they're doing. So makes it for a fun read, you know.
1: <laughs> well that's the great thing about the round table here at Drawn and Paneled. We can find books that we like or don't like, but they're always books that are unique and interesting and have their own little quirks. And that's the biggest part of the independent comic book scene, right? I mean, you've got three books here that are wildly diverse. You've got Cherry Blackbird, which is an in-your-face exploitation book. You've got Wired, which seems to be the A-Team meets Highlander a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you've got The Freeze, which you know looks like zombie apocalypse, but in reverse order. I really enjoy all these different stories that are out there, and I love that it's so much different than when I was first growing up collecting comics back then it was just Marvel and DC and you had your Superman's and you had your X-Men and those kinds of things. That was all you got. You didn't have a choice. Now there's so many ways for people to create their own comics and get them out there. Kickstarter, you mentioned that earlier, Joe, how you had started the Kickstarter campaign and got funded and then it took you a while for it to come out. I love when that happens because as I fund a Kickstarter campaign and then forget about it, when that book gets sent to me a year or two years later, it's like a free gift at that point.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a great well, I don't know if you read the the Forbes article that came out like I guess it was 2 weeks ago or something. Kickstarter is actually now the third largest publisher or something of comic
0: books really oh i believe it of, yeah, yeah that makes sense it yeah. goes
3: marvel dc now kickstarter wow um but there's so much good stuff on there uh, and like a lot of big names are now using it as a vessel to launch their dream projects you know mm-hmm. so sure gail simone's been using it right now billy tucci's on there so um and then uh the guy who cl- created a zombie tramp He's on there right now with his new project. So lots of cool stuff. Um, I, I'm using it myself right now, but I've done it differently this time than I have before, where um, I usually used Kickstarter to see if there was interest in something to build a project.
0: Mm-hmm. I
3: already have a completed project, and I put that up there because I want to turn it around really quick so people aren't waiting for two years. That's my, oh, like,
0: okay.
1: it weighs nice. on you, you know? Sure. I get that. I can understand why, you know, you feel this need that you are beholden to the people who supported you and everything. But from my side of the fence, I'm just happy to support projects that I find interesting. And if they're able to do something with my like five or 10 or 20 bucks or whatever, and get something out there that's new and unique. And if they're not, it's okay to me, you know, just I, the only thing I wish that Kickstarter could do would be like, say, you raised $11,000 on your project, you spent about 4,000 of that money and then figured out, you know, it's not going to work. I can't get this done. If there was some way for the person to then send partial money back to all the people who sponsored, you know, just like, look, this can't get off the ground, but I get that that's a real big can of worms, right? Yeah,
3: it's, it's one of these things where it, and it is something we discuss. Um, so I belong to a studio um, where a collective of, Guys we, we all and girls, and we all uh, make comic books in Portland, Maine. We all sh- sort of share ideas and stuff. And we've all used Kickstarter for different methods uh, to, you know, different uh, amounts to create our products and stuff like that. The thing that you see every once in a while is that a creator raises the money that they need plus, and then they don't deliver. And there mm. is no repercussion for that at this time. Right, right. Um, it's like a gamble when you're, yeah, maybe um, a
1: penalty system somehow, like, okay, you put out a Kickstarter, so you didn't, you didn't come through with what you promised. So therefore you can't put out another Kickstarter for six months or a year or something. Maybe they can figure out something like that.
3: Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. been a couple of campaigns I've backed where I was really interested in what the product was and I never got anything. Um, right. The only thing you can do as a consumer is just not buy anything from them again. Well, sure. Right. I mean, that that's that's the penalty really is that if you burn the bridge there, it's hard to go back and get more, you know, and people talk, you know. So, mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'll tell you what's the truth. Normally, our roundtables spend all of our time talking about the individual books, but I'm really happy that we got to have this Kickstarter discussion because that's something that's very unique and interesting to the independent comic book movement, which is what Drawn and Paneled is all about. Right. And I can't wait to have more of these discussions in the future. They're afraid of e man
2: I'm not sure that's it. They're a completely peaceful people. They don't like conflict. Grab enemy. Are you ready for Infinity Con Year 6? March 2nd and
0: 3rd in Lake City, Florida. You will see Bob Layton, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Tournament, a $1000 grand prize cosplay contest. We will have artists, vendors, and more you don't want to miss this year. It's at March 2nd and 3rd in Lake City, Florida. InfinityConFL.com for more information today. Now we've come to the part of the show where we talk about the books that we're picking up on New Comic Book Day. As always, we start with our guest. Uh, so, Joe, are there any books this week you're planning to pick up or any Kickstarters or anything we should be aware of?
3: I'm a big fan of of horror stuff. Um, so one of the things that I, I've been anticipating has actually been the relaunch of Fangora fangoria mm, magazine okay. right. now i, I know heard that's not that. a comic book but the format Still, of it is beautiful right. and uh so i recommend everybody just jump on board that it's it's a great book it is expensive it's like 18 bucks an issue
1: oh wow Ooh, wow well
3: but, but uh, if it's quality it is it is it's a, like a deluxe format magazine so i'm really excited about that as far as comic book comic books go though uh pretty much anything that valiant puts out i collect so, okay. like, that's okay. the fanboy in me. I, I've I've sort of gotten rid of all my Marvel and DC collections, with the exception of Amazing Spider-Man. Which,
0: right.
3: you know, it's like even a bad issue of Spider-Man is still, you know, it's like cold pizza. It's still not that bad. Yeah, because you know, it, it, it's good to stay on top of at least the the really popular guys, anyway. And every once in a while, they they don't treat a property like complete garbage and um i feel like that's one of the books that actually gets a little bit more attention than any of the others at marvel just amazing spider-man that title and then um but yeah valiant has put out some really quality books in the last couple years and i right now bloodshot i'd say that's one of their better titles exo man of war is great but yeah as far as the kickstarters go um the one that's being done by the creator of zombie tramp that one looks really cool. It's called sad girl, psycho baby.
0: Okay. Oh, I don't know if
3: you've ever read anything about, um, zombie tramp but his art style is really unique and cartoony but it's very naughty as well and that falls into my category of
1: awesomeness (laughs) jason what are you picking up this week there's a few
0: good things coming out this week uh one of our favorites gideon falls number 11 sure yep magic order number six is finally coming out that's the end of the miniseries i know that was one that we really liked A Mm -hmm. big big one coming out this week is Army of Darkness Bubba Hotep number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so two Bruce Campbell uh, classic franchises coming together, and then there's Red Sonya number one because why not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I got you on that one. I can understand Red (laughs) Sonya. Yeah, so
0: so George, what's in the allowance this week for you?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and grab a couple of bucks out of the wife's wallet and see Ooh, what I can pick luck. up at the store. I'm going to go ahead and grab Gideon Falls number 11, like you talked about. Uh, also, Kick-Ass number 12 is coming out. So I'm mm-hmm. going to grab that one. Hit Girl Season 2 is what they're calling this next four-issue arc. and. Okay. It- it finally dawned on me what they're doing. They're doing a different writer every story, and each story is four issues long. Okay. So that's cool. this new one is going to actually feature Kevin Smith as the head writer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I love Kevin Smith. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, from Scout, Zinnabur number seven looks like it's due to come out, but, you know, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes right. because of the whole diamond publishing fiasco stuff for them. And then from Mad Cave Studios, Knights of the Golden Sun number four is due out. So I'm going to grab that one as well.
2: The rock man who took my sword thought it made him a leader, but he was wrong. A sword or any other symbol doesn't make a person a good leader. What does is intelligence, respect for others, and an unselfish desire to do good.
1: Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, this very week, with our show, 302010. (laughs) 302010.
2: May have seen NBC's TV movie A Twist of Fate. A Nazi who became a Jew, and for decades he <laughs> got away with it. How could you do it? Ben Cross, Veronica Hamill, Twist of Fate. From here Sunday.
1: Yeah. A Nazi Who Became a Jew.
0: If we... Oh my god, it's the reverse Stephen Miller story. <laughs> if we had not
2: had have...
1: <laughs> And now I have to see it because like the scene where they show him like a Nazi who became a Jew, that little clip from the YouTube video. <laughs> Is like the Joker's transition.
2: Oh, he had plastic. The <gasps> had story plastic. is he
1: had plastic surgery. So what plastic surgery did you have, my yeah, friend, to make yourself look be more specific. <laughs> Jewish? <laughs> just a just a Nazi trying to do the right thing. Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at And that will wrap it up for another edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Guys, had a lot of fun talking today, but before we get out of here, Joe, I want to give you a chance to let everybody know where they can find all of the wonderful things that you've created.
3: Right now, you can just go to www.joseph, my last name is Schmalky, it's spelled S-C-H-M-A-L-K-E.com. So it's josephschmalky.com. It'll link you to my Kickstarter where I have Carpe Noctum, a brand new art book that's being put out. Uh, From there you can go to my Etsy store where I sell Infernal Pact and Cherry Blackbird. And then uh, right now you can go to your local comic book store And you can pre-order Electric Black number one, which is done by me and Rich Woodall. And that's coming out from Scout
1: Comics. And you're going to stick around next week for us, right? Yep. All right. Jason, what are we going to be talking about in our next back issue edition of the podcast?
0: We're going to 1987 to talk about probably one of the greatest Spider-Man
1: stories ever told. Raven's Last Hunt. Well, we better come through and perform on this episode then after you've built it up like that. Good Lord. (laughs) I think we can handle it. All right. Fair enough. Well, Joe, once again, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. And Jason, always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's always my pleasure. And we will see you guys next time. See you guys later.
2: This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons.